dive deep into the realm of large language models, prompt engineering, and best practices. With over 25 years of combined AI and product engineering experience, here are your hosts, Bradley Arsenault and Justin Macarin. Hello, Brad. Hey, Justin. Brad, over the last you know few months, we've been recording these podcasts, talk a lot about generative AI, and we've mostly been focused yep. on text generation, source code generation, all yep. kind of generation. But I feel like we've missed a very important component that is gaining momentum right now. And I think yeah. has gained a lot of momentum over the last few years, and that's generating images and videos. And I haven't really done a lot of that. And I'm curious to learn, you know, have you? I have been. So, I mean, especially over the last seven months and then in increasing intensity over the last couple of weeks, I'm generating images. I'm right. I'm creating scripts. I'm trying to match the the images to the scripts. I've been looking at the AI videos. They were they're kind of hit or miss, but like sometimes they work. And it's it's a really fascinating area, and I think that there's a lot of growth. And we have the perfect perfect guest to discuss the topic with. So welcome to our guest session. Hey Justin. Hey Bradley. Thanks for having me. Absolutely. So, Sachin, question for you, and 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 maybe we should get started over here. And 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 I think this is a, a hard question to answer. I've I've tried out image generation before, in you know ChatGPT four, Dolly, Midjourney, and all my images that come out, they don't really come out that great. And 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 I feel like I'm at fault over here. I'm the one who's not doing a good job at providing prompts. Is, is that something that's common in the space? Um, yes. Uh, actually, the first step really is to, I mean, even one year ago, when the models were not so great, the first step was that you, so that you could art articulate your ideas very clearly in the way that um, you can prompt your subject very well. So there are two most important things. One is the subject, and the second one is the visual style. So that's the most basic form of prompting any image. So if you can just nail that down, like get that particular thing right, I think you will get very close to the image that you want. But it's very important you specify the details of your subject and a visual style to go along with it to get that basic imagery that, uh, that you can use. Can I ask, why is it, why are those image prompts harder to write than, say, asking for some hashtags? I just say, yo, give me some hashtags about computers. Right. Boom, it works perfectly. Whereas right. the image prompts, they're more fiddly. Like, why do you think that is? Right. I think um, uh, if, if you look at the back end of how these images have been trained, um, most of the images, the, the way they are trained is, if you just forget about AI, if you just Google search for an image, what you really type is you're, you're again typing the name, the subject that you really want to see in that particular image. And the images out there on the internet have been tagged with the name of the subject that's there in the image. And that's this is basically how all the image generators are trained, right? And that's the only way a computer or the AI algorithm can reproduce these images. So 
trying to really distill the visual elements and the subject is not very intuitive initially when you're trying to prompt for an image. But it is actually if you break down your prompts into just these two specific ingredients, you are starting to get much more coherent images because then the AI model really knows, hey, I need to pull up from my data set um, the images that are tagged with this keyword and with the next keyword, like a visual style. But this is not how we really think when we look at, a, at an image. Uh, and when we want to prompt, prompt with ChatGPT, we are usually um, prompting it for some kind of copywriting, right? Some kind of email that we want to write, some kind of storytelling. And that's much more natural language. Uh, and that the natural language that it has been trained on. But images are not trained the same way. So I think that's where the difference lies. So in the one case, it's like we're using natural language to get natural language, whereas yep. in the other case, we're using natural language to get an image, yep. and it's in that modality change where the difficulty is. Exactly, yep. And so are you saying that like it's been trained from like all these different, say, artistic websites, and like image descriptions, like most of these websites don't even have descriptions on their images. You know, it'll just be like, this is a fairy, but not like, oh, this is a fairy set in like a, a vivid historical background. And it's this realistic, like, it, right. so are you saying that we're, we're trying to match whatever keywords might have been in the data set that it's using that are kind of ad hoc or? Yes. And this is exactly why you might find a lot of images that don't match your vision. Because you cannot always ensure that the images that are being tagged and the descriptions are very coherent with the actual image. The, uh, it might be tagged in a way that the person who has created this image thinks that uh, people need to find this image when they search on Google. And this is exactly why you might find a lot of differences versus what you are expecting versus what you get out of an AI image generator. But they are usually, most of the images that's out there on the internet are having metadata, right? Uh, on the back end, that's being tagged with some kind of uh, computer vision algorithm. And that's how it's really working. But it's not uh, always accurate. And that's where all the discrepancy lies, where you don't get the right image that you want. So you mentioned that that in this recipe, there are two main ingredients. And yep. I just want to confirm with you that those two ingredients are subject and style. Is is that right? Yes, that's the most basic form of prompting if you want to get just a stock uh, image like of uh, the final output. Perfect. And right. and I assume that we could add more stuff to it and there's yes, more complexity. Yep. But when we talk about subject, I feel like that might be a little bit more simple where, you know, you want a zebra or you want, you know, a special character or something. Where right. I struggle with the most is truly with the style. And I feel yeah. like many times I'll have a lack of words. I'll yeah. have a lack of understanding. I'll have a lack of knowledge when it comes to the different styles I want to generate. And I'm curious to learn, you know, how do you overcome that lack of understanding? How do you overcome that lack of knowledge? How do you overcome not knowing yeah. what type in? Yeah, uh, I think this is a common problem as well when uh, a, lot of, uh, a lot of people start prompting uh, to generate images. Um, one way to do this is, and this is, this is exactly why having a, a basic background in terms of artistic moments and artistic uh, styles, right? 
that's that has been throughout the history. Every decade has a specific unique style. Uh, that if it, even if you just utilize the ear, right, like 1960s uh, visual style or 1800s Victorian style. So if you just use these simple keywords, you are going to get those uh, images because the the images in that era are heavily influenced in that particular style. So having a basic understanding of uh, this visual dictionary, dictionary is super useful. Uh, the other thing a, a lot of non-designers can do right away is, and this is where ChatGPT is super, super helpful. Um, if you're looking for, if you have a concept in mind and you, you want to understand what kind of unique aesthetic or you know visual style that might go along well with it, just ask ChatGPT, right? Just because it's it already knows uh, and it has been trained with all of these visual style. Uh, you can just ask something like start start having conversation. Hey, act like a expert, creative professional, or you know creative director. Can you please provide me five different visual style that could go along well with this visual concept? So you don't really need to have all this background, but having that knowledge will definitely give you an upper edge. You know, when I'm writing these image prompts. I'm sometimes using style keywords that are am- completely ambiguous. Like, what does it mean for an image to be vivid? Yeah. You know, or like it, I'll ask for like image concepts and it'll be like futuristic scene. And like, if you add the word futuristic, it really does change the image quite a bit. Like, yeah. just take the same prompt, remove the word futuristic and add the word futuristic. It totally changes the style. But like, it seems like every tiny little word is leaning on, on in that image. So, like, is there like a directory of styles? Like, how do we? How, where did you pick up all of all of this stuff? There is a directory of styles. Actually, there's something called as Wiki Styles, uh, which you can uh, look up, and it just uh, documents every single visual style that's out there, or um, at least most of them that is out there. But there are so many different. Uh, subtle variations of each style, right? Um, and to be very honest, not everybody who is prompting, even the experts who are prompting, know these visual styles. Uh, sometimes you might come up with keywords. Uh, for example, there's a feature, there's a technique in Midjourney, uh, which where you can extract the prompts from an image. And when you use a reference image and ask Midjourney, hey, what can be the prompts that you can use to recreate this image? It gives you keywords that you have never heard of, like ocean core or you know, things like Scandinavian style or flow style, things like this, which don't really, uh, which are not really described out there on the internet very well. So, um, I think the one way to one way to think of this is generative AI models, as you know, create their own set of parameters which we cannot control. They are being built on the parameters and optimize on parameters which the model itself is creating to, to create the final images. So many of these visual keywords we will not know in the end. But I think there's a basic dic- dictionary of uh, 50 to 100 styles that we can just walk through. I, you know, it can be you know, just document to see, hey, what is this visual style looking like? And of course, it takes uh, years of um experience in terms of looking at these images and knowing what that visual style might be. And I think we might be going into that territory and this this might be a new skill that might be needed that when you look at an image, 
you right away know, hey, what are the keywords that is needed, right? So that's where prompt crafting um, and knowing these techniques will come up and it just gets better over time. It's just a new skill, I think, that's that's being developed in the industry, right? I think that's really fascinating. And I would love to learn a little bit more about how that process, that production process for, for getting the right style, getting the right art, how is AI art, art process different than a traditional artistic process? Right. So I, I can just walk you through a simple um, process that might happen otherwise in, in, a, in a traditional method. So take, for cool. example, storyboarding, um, right? So uh, the client has a brief which says, hey, I have this product and I need to create a marketing campaign around it and a commercial advertising campaign. So this is then given to a creative director. And the creative director needs to distill this, break it down uh, into, first he needs to have a vision or a concept that they can take that creative direction, that whole marketing campaign uh, into, right? Uh, once he has that concept, he needs to break it down uh, into different frames. Like, what is this first scene going to show? What is the second scene going to show? What can be the camera angle in there? What What are the visual elements in there? So he needs to describe all of this along with a crew of his designers. And then they need to actually create these storyboards. They need to sketch it out. They need to, uh, you know, the, it's usually a basic sketching, uh, black and white sketching. Uh, and from there, they need to create final illustrations or visuals, which then is put down in a pitch document and then presented back to the client to get their approval and to go ahead. Now, this whole part can be really like um, reduced in terms of effort and time that that is going into manually creating all of this. So it can save up to 80% of the time that we have seen most of the uh, in, in, in many of the examples. So think of just taking this concept and trying to break it down with GPT-4, getting those ideas for each panel. Of course, you need to iterate to get those unique ideas. From there, you can use, again, uh, just Dali, uh, Dali 3, for example, to create the first uh, storyboard sketches. Then you can use some open source models or image-to-image -image models to turn them into final illustration. Then you can put them in a pitch deck. So the whole thing becomes so simple, so streamlined. Um, and a lot of this process is actually uh, time-consuming and very manual and, and uh, boring for a lot of people. Uh, storyboard art, artists, I'm, I'm, I'm a designer uh, by profession and I love sketching. But even for me, many of the times it gets very... Um, I, I need to listen to a, a brief and I need to do exactly that. So it does take a lot of my time. I think it's, it's super beneficial to automate these kind of tasks uh, within the creative industry. And of course, there are many other examples. How often do you iterate over, you know, you mentioned storyboarding. I assume yeah. that storyboard something, you know, you go through many iterations and maybe you do something and, and you type something wrong or you need to make these small adjustments in those images. I'm curious to learn how that process looks like there. Is it something where you're sitting down and you're kind of tweaking this prompt and regenerating over and over and over again, very similar to how we, yeah. you know, generate paragraphs or hashtags like Brad mentioned. Right. Uh, I, I think, uh, this is one thing that, uh, we, I, I mean, we, we encounter a lot when we are working on our projects because we need, you know, we have a specific, um, creative vision that we want to, uh, get to. 
um, most of the creative professionals are, are like, hey, they want the level of control because they want to go in, in a specific direction, but also they want that that spark of creativity too. Like for example, Mid Journey gives you many different variations. Uh, probably you come up with, you see a pretty new concept over there and you want to take it in a new direction. So that has been, that has to be a balance between both. And a lot of times what happens is you will not get what you expect and then you might have to reiterate. And I, I would always suggest uh, everybody to reiterate, right? Because the, the first results that you always get with GPT-4, for example, are usually the most common ones. So it's always better to reiterate and add your own creativity on top of it and take it into a new direction. Now, it's also very important to understand where you need to stop iterating because then you can just get into a spiral of, you know, a rabbit hole of going down and you'll just waste more time rather than saving time. So I think there has to be a balance that needs to be um, striked. And I think that comes through using these tools very often and you really know, hey, when do you need to stop? And then you know that, hey, it's just a pencil sketch away or a Photoshop edit away to get to the final version that you want. But during the iteration itself, there is quite a few things that you can do uh, within the AI workflows. Um, and this is exactly where AI workflows are more powerful than just prompting because prompting, I think, is just a small piece of the puzzle. It is important, but it's just a small piece of the puzzle right now. I was curious about the extent to which you can reuse those prompts between different projects. Like, is everything like a custom build where you start from scratch and you iterate? Or are you... Is there kind of more of a system that you can kind of put around that AI content production and like reuse a lot of those elements? Um, I think if a, a creative agency is working with specific clients, right, usually they have uh, um, the same clients coming back to get those um, creatives done. And I think that's how most of the creatives, creative agencies operate as well. So most of these can be reapplied for the, the next campaigns. Uh, and it's also very important because I think this is one of the useful things to do. It, it is needed because you want to create designs that are on brand, right? And every single time you want to create a new image or a different image for a different campaign, but for the same brand, you need to have those images on brand, like the same color palette, um, the same kind of uh, aesthetics, right? All of these, they need to be uh, consistent. So I think to some extent, this is necessary. You need to um, uh, you need to build your system uh, to work with your creative team to have a database of prompts that you can reuse because otherwise, again, you are getting into the same uh, inefficiencies of where you cannot apply those design assets uh, for your next project. I think it, it is necessary to do that. Interesting. And and, and, and and so that concept is actually not very foreign to even your regular prompt engineering with source code. And that's something that we actually chatted about, Brad, yesterday, where, you know, we could reuse these prompts over and over and over again. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome organization to make sure that, you know, the output remains standard. I have a question about the use cases over here. Right. It's obvious that people are using images um, on top of blog posts, for example. You just mentioned, you know, creating these um, storyboards or, or at least to, to facilitate, you know, story building and, 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 and thinking. 
what are you know the top use cases today that you're seeing where generative image generation is truly helping people out creating a lot of value saving time saving money well yeah i, I think uh um what pops up in my head right now it's it's definitely very high volume illustrations that are needed to be created and i'm only talking about um creative professionals and and you know creative agencies over here so if you have to create let's say um 100 different ad images for the same kind of campaign right that's when it's super helpful because you have that set of that foundation prompt that has that set of aesthetics you know it's going to give you those consistent images and all you need to do is change the subject or some visual elements in there to create those variations and i think today it's necessary to have a wide variety of ad creatives uh, i'm talking about the images that you see in in ads right so it's the same ad it's the same uh, probably the copywriting is changing as well but along with the copywriting you want the images to change as well and i think this is where it's most beneficial so you can create um ad creatives or at a volume right um, you can create 100 or 200 of them so things like that for the specific campaign that's one thing that comes to our mind the second thing is um to really tell a story for non designers if i'm if i'm thinking um uh, everybody has a story to tell right they either want to design a comic book uh you know based on what ideas they have a lot of people have reached out to me saying they want to design a comic book uh and give it a gift for that kid for example and they want to design those characters so i think this is where it's super beneficial as well so you have a very a very good uh idea that you want to build a story around but you don't have a way to create these images and this is exactly where this generative ai tools image generators uh are very very helpful in fact based on a lot of uh, feedback and and the same thing a lot of people are asking me that you cannot create consistent characters like you cannot have the same character in multiple frames you can try it in mid journey but it's it's it it requires a certain a trick to be done right even other ai image generators it's not so straightforward so i built this consistent character gpt which is on top 4 right now in the ali store and people have been creating comic books um around it like using that gpt and it's wonderful to see how people are using it uh, i was thinking they would use it for storyboard but not uh, but not necessarily i think it's not being more helpful over there but a lot of people are using it to create comic book characters So, so you you're saying that the the AI image generation right now it's kind of doing the gruntiest work like the the kind of um I, I'm not at a loss for the word but like the commodity part of the AI industry or sorry of the art industry is there any use for these generative tools in sort of the higher value production content like the higher effort is it being used there as well or is it really just only the volume applications where it's really being disruptive right now i think that's where it's most beneficial and it's showing a lot of efficiency increase um on the high end production there is always a lot of human effort involved and i think we cannot um completely replace it right now all the examples that we have seen for example um if you want to create 
an ad commercial that is two, three minutes long and that, that is being shown to millions of people on the television, right, or on uh, over the internet. Uh, usually the budgets around those are like $1 million, $2 million, and it spans over, the entire project spans over, um, you know, if not, uh, if not, I think at least six to one, six months to one year. So I think there's a lot of human uh, effort involved and creative um, concepting right from pre-production to uh, uh, the production phase itself. So the, the the requirement over there is also really high quality imagery and really controlled imagery. And that is not really possible uh, right now, especially in the video side of things. AI video is still far uh, far away from getting to where we want it to be. Just like you can see in Mid Journey, right? Mid Journey Basics is amazing at creating very high quality images based on your uh, uh, based on your requirements. It listens to your prompts also very well. But AI video creation is still not there. You are not able to really control the outputs, and you are not going to get those high quality outputs. The resolution is bad, and you need to do a lot of other editing around it. So then I still don't think in the high-end production, it's going to completely replace things. Where it's going to replace a lot of effort in high-end production is, again, in the pre-production stages. Exactly when I talked about the storyboarding phase, right? Every movie, every commercial, any high-end uh, commercial that is needed, you need uh, the storyboarding process, the pre-production stage. And I think that's where it's, it's mostly beneficial uh, to be able to replace with this AI model set tools. One, you know, complication that I found when trying to generate images, and I use the word try because I've never been successful, um, right. is because I try to add logos in these images. I try to like add maybe, you know, certain pieces of text to these images. Maybe I want to build a UI UX wireframe, something that's right. a little bit more challenging than just a character in a specific, you know, setting. And I'm right. curious to learn, are we there yet with that kind of stuff? Or where do we draw the line between, you know, getting images generated automatically and literally going out and hiring, you know, a, a yeah. graphic designer who could actually assist with that? Um, yeah. Is there, you know, this line to be drawn? I'm, I'm every day still trying to understand that more deeply and really trying to understand him on the both side of things, on the demand and supply, right? Because in the end, it comes down to demand and supply. Because right now, we are consuming a lot more content, visual content online than there is enough, you know, uh, enough skills or enough resources to actually get them done. And it's only going to get more and more. So I'm thinking it is actually necessary that a lot of designers adopt these tools because five years down the line, I don't think we will have enough designers who would be, if you are just using traditional methods, you won't be able to keep up with the demand. That's how that's how I would think of it. So I also think that a lot of creative professionals need to adopt this because we have seen so many benefits that are, that are popping up. Um, and it just makes, once you get a hang of it, it really makes the work uh, more enjoyable uh this 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 is my real take on it so it's 
tr really trying to automate the parts hey what you don't really like but when you need that fine tuning of course you take you can take it outside of the ai tools now things like writing text what you mentioned this is already happening you can do you can you can write small um pieces of text like just the title within dali and you can also do that with midjourney v6 and it creates very great results where it does not work is when you have you know like a sentence or a phrase that you want to type because it cannot really make sense of um, um the the alphabets together because it cannot really read right it, it can just create the pixels uh that's where it's good at so it's good at creating small phrases so uh, small titles uh but this is where, I mean, to, to do some of these things, if you want to add text, if you want to make certain changes uh, to the images, it's just one step away, like taking it out of uh, AI tools and, and uh, using Canva or using Photoshop. And I think this is where the creative professionals will really shine too. To take it to the next level, you will get the base raw material from these AI tools. Um, you can get there much quicker to what you want. Um, and finally, take it up a notch with your own creativity, with your own um, methods that you can add on top of it. So I think creativity, of course, is getting democratized, but there is always something that you can add on top of top of it and you can differentiate yourself uh, versus the rest. I think that's where the real value will lie uh, going ahead. You mentioned earlier that you do a lot of work around the AI workflows. Yeah. And I would love to hear you kind of expand a little bit on, on that and tell us a little bit more about what those look like. Yeah. Um, I can, I can give you a simple example. Uh, take, take for, uh, I, I'm again thinking of the limitations of mid journey over here. Um, I mean, none of none of us should take it wrong because Midjourney is an absolutely amazing tool. I think they have done an incredible job. The first thing I do when I have an idea is I go to Midjourney, right? I love the tool. But there are also a lot of things that you cannot do with Midjourney. Naturally, when we start using these tools, we are, we are seeing hey, what you cannot do. And uh, I try to fill that gap and I try to see what can be built, right? Outside of Midjourney, what kind of AI workflows is needed. So... Take, for example, if you want to create some model photo shoots where you want that specific uh, face in a specific pose. Now, you cannot do that in mid-journey. You can get close. You can use image references. You can use prompt weights and image weights. You can do face swap uh, with the AI as well. You can do all of these things, but there is no straightforward solution and you will not get there 100%. Um, now, what you can do with the open source models is um, you can use something like a, a, a comfy UI or Focus. They are they are actually the UI for using stable diffusion models. So stable diffusion is open source. Uh, Focus is a UI which runs with, where you can run these stable diffusion models. And what you can do there is you can import an image of the face you want to use in all of the images. And you can import a pose of any photograph that you like. Take, for example, hey, you, you might come across when you're looking at your mood board or on the internet, you're like, I want this pose in with this particular face and I want a final photograph done with it. So you can just put them together. You can use the right AI models. That is something called as control net, which extracts the information in terms of the pose of the reference image 
then it you can use face swap which extracts the information of the face or the facial features and you can put this together in a workflow and create unlimited variations uh, with with that particular pose and with that face right and you can change the background you can change the outfit you can write your own prompts but it keeps those two um features very controlled in every single generation which is not possible with mid journey so i think this is where the real power lies building these ai workflows and prompting is a small part of it where do you see um brad i think uh, you're on mute uh well i was just going to say that um so if i'm understanding you right when you're thinking about an ai workflow you're talking about like combining together a lot of these different tools right that each do a part of the process but do it really well and yep. by combining them together you can kind of get a final result that's like really genuinely amazing exactly exactly because a lot of ai tools that are being developed today um not one tool is good at every single thing there is uh there is like mid journey does really high quality images based on your prompts and it gives you very creative output but you cannot really control i mean there are techniques to control it but you will not get that 100% control over it so there are other models like juggernaut excel which is very very good at photorealism so you can use that for specific projects and use cases so i think each tool has its own uh, strengths right now and when you plug and play them together in ai workflow you can take your your concept to your final uh, vision that you really have but the 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 real power is in knowing these building these workflows this is really interesting because i see so much overlap and similarity to image prompting and also source code or text based prompting and 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 this <laughs> is something that we chatted about you know in the past where right. these ai applications you can't expect, you know, these AI models to understand one large problem. You need to break these things down into small, consumable components that could be reused over and over and over again. And and, and I guess, where do you see the market head in, in the next six months to a year? And, and, and I think that's a very, very challenging question yeah. to, 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 to answer because there's so much new you know, innovation that's happening literally every week. There's this big new release that happens, right? Yeah. But I'm curious to learn, and and maybe it's not like me asking you to predict the innovation, but maybe yeah. me asking you to maybe clarify areas of focus or important areas of focus that people are going to need to focus on a little bit more going forward. Right. Um, yeah, I mean, just looking at the recent news and uh, over the past uh, six months, the development, right? We have reached that level of image creation. Of course, uh, we can get better from here in terms of control, but we are already getting amazing results with image generation. Where we are still lacking is in video generation, right? Uh, runway uh, ML, for example, uh, if, if uh, you're not aware of runway ML is very heavily focused is the research lab also has their own platform where you can create videos uh, from text or from images. And also they have image generation models as well. And Runway is really good at uh, turning your images um, and into a video where you can also provide certain camera movements and control. So you can really tell a story, right? So you can uh, 
highlight a particular uh, region in the image and you can say that you want to move that particular element in this or that direction. And it does a pretty good job, uh, at least until now. Uh, and it has to improve a lot. So I think AI video generation is the next big thing for the next six months, uh, especially with the recent release of Sora, right? Uh, you might, you definitely have seen. It's all over the internet. And the results are really amazing. And it's so photorealistic. Uh, I, I really want to test it out when they launch it. And that's one area. I, I think the... Um, the real skill would, def would definitely something that everybody should build, uh, especially creative professionals, is um, trying to identify the AI models. You know, uh, first of all, trying to understand what AI really is and how they can use it in the creative process. Just like I um, provided some examples right now, but really explore and test it out in their own creative process in their everyday work so that's the first thing because that way you really know how you can find unit for yourself but in the future i think it's going to be more uh curating inputs and outputs and taking it into your own creative direction it's not really going to be sitting there and making edits uh to the image because uh, there are other ai models like Kriya, for example it does pretty good with, if you just draw a line and type a prompt, it will create that exact thing that you want. So you don't need to be very, very good at sketching anymore. Uh, so it's it's really about curating inputs and outputs because a lot of images that it throws out might not be the right thing for your project. So you need to be able to have that creative eye to pick uh, those right outputs, of course, to feed it with the right thing and then take it from there using image manipulation techniques and storytelling techniques. So I think uh, that's where the real skill lies. But before all, it's of course very important to first of all, get your hands on these AI tools, um, learn how to prompt, right? Of course, prompting is very important. That's only when you can get the most um, high quality results. But from there, once you have figured out the prompting, it's it's all about how you can you know take it from that from point A to point B to point C and all of this uh, manipulation and the models that you can use for your purpose. I think that's what people need to uh, look out for because all these AI news news will keep coming on and updates will keep coming on. Uh, so that's not gonna stop. Where what what priority should people have when? beginning to create an AI workflow when it comes to this generative AI stuff. Yes. What would be like maybe the, the the number one thing to focus on or work on to make sure that that AI workflow that you build mm -hmm. is the best, most robust one that could be used over and over again in a repeatable way? Right. I think, um, I think it's again an understanding of what kind of inputs you have and you can give consistently over a period of time, right? Because your outputs are going to be only as good as inputs. So understanding the inputs that you're going to give to this model will define what model you gotta use. And of course, the objective that you have in the end for that specific project, or if you are doing that same project multiple times, what is the output that you're looking for? And what kind of control do you really need in that particular um, process, right? I think based on that, you can decide what workflows you can explore and and, and try, try with. Uh, because I think a lot of things can be 
solved with just prompting if you're just looking to create some stock images. But if you are looking to create stock images where you want this particular person wearing this particular outfit in this particular pose with this particular background, then you need to build your own workflow because otherwise, like you, like you just mentioned earlier, you will keep on iterating and iterating and prompting and you will not get what you want. And you'll get frustrated and I'll just you'll just quit. I think that's not the way to go. You will need to know when to stop, uh, but also explore and understand your inputs, your outputs better and what you want to control. And I think you will you will get pretty close to what you're looking for. Sashin, I think this was one of the most interesting conversations we've had on this podcast. And I really want to thank you for your time. I guess, how do people reach out to you? Where 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 can people find you? Um, yeah, I mean, they can find, I'm usually very active on LinkedIn. Uh, so they can reach out to me on LinkedIn. I'm not so much on Twitter, although I'm trying to, um, you know, be much more consistent. But LinkedIn is the way to go. And yeah, you can find me Sachin Kamath, uh, and you can also find ALMN Academy on. Uh, so that's where you'll also find on uh, LinkedIn or the or on the website, right? So that's uh, that. Those are multiple ways you can reach out to me. And uh, yeah, I'm all the time focused on uh, AI workflows for creative. Uh, give give us a, a one sentence pitch of the course that uh, you have here. Right, so uh, it's about, first of all, building very strong foundations uh, with generative AI for creative applications. And we'll, we'll mostly focus on taking you from a creative concepting part of thing. So you want to build a lot of creative concepts, right? Uh, and where do you really start with that? And from mm. then on, how do you really create images from there? What are the models? What kind of assets you want to create? then how to turn it into an animation and build a, start, a short story around it, right? Also the storytelling techniques. So yeah, we do have a couple of other experts joining who have built fully AI-made uh, commercials. So we do cover the spectrum of from concepting to the final uh, story that you want to create. And yeah, that's uh, uh, we are also looking to build uh, many other courses uh, based on need from over there, um, yeah, that's that's what I'm passionate about, and that's what I do every single day. That, Sashin, that's awesome. Thank you very much. I think we're very lucky to have had you, um, and I am looking forward to our next discussion. Yeah, no, absolutely. Thanks for having me, Justin Bradley. Uh, it was a pleasure. Thanks so much for joining. Bye-bye. Well, thank you for joining thanks. us. If you've enjoyed today's episode, hit subscribe and stay updated on our latest content. We appreciate your support.